Chapter Twenty of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume One by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joyce Martin. Chapter Twenty contains an odd accident which happened to Miss Betsy in the cloisters of Westminster Abbey. Mr. Trueworth, who was yet far from being acquainted with the temper of the object he adored, now thought he had no reason to despair of being one day in possession of all he aimed to obtain. It seemed certain with him, at least, that he had nothing to apprehend from the pretensions of a rival, who at first he had looked upon as so formidable, and no other, at present, interposed between him and his designs. Miss Betsy, in the meanwhile, wholly regardless of who hoped or who despaired, had no aim in anything she did but merely to divert herself, and to that end laid hold of every opportunity that offered. Mr. Goodman, having casually mentioned, as they were at supper, that one Mr. Solgard had just taken orders, and was to preach his first sermon at Westminster Abbey the next day, she presently had a curiosity of hearing how he would behave in the pulpit. Over his modest and, as they termed it, sheepish behavior in company, having, as often as he came there, afforded matter of ridicule to her and Miss Flora. These two young ladies, therefore talking on it after they were in bed, agreed to go to the cathedral, not doubting but that they should have enough to laugh at, and repeat to all those of their acquaintance who had ever seen him. What mere trifles! What airy nothing served to amuse a mind not taken with more effectual matters! Miss Betsy was so full of the diversion she should have in hearing the down-looked, bashful Mr. Solgard harangue his congregation, that she could think and talk of nothing else till the hour arrived when she should go to experience which she had so pleasant an idea of. Miss Flora, who had till now seemed as eager as herself, cried all at once that her head ached and that she did not care for stirring out. Miss Betsy, who would fain have left her out of it, told her she had only got the vapours, that the parson would cure her, and such like things, but the other was not to be prevailed upon by all Miss Betsy, or even Lady Mellison herself could say, and answered with some sullenness that positively she would not go. Miss Betsy was highly ruffled at this sudden turn of her temper, as it was now too late to send for any other young lady of her acquaintance to go with her. Resolving, nevertheless, not to balk her humour, she ordered a chair to be called and went alone. Neither the young parson's manner of preaching nor the text he chose being any way material to this history, I shall therefore pass over the time of divine service, and only say that after it was ended Miss Betsy, passing towards the west gate, and stopping to look on the fine tomb erected in the memory of a Mr. Secretary Craig's, was accosted by Mr. Bluemaker, a young gentleman who sometimes visited Lady Mellison, and lived at Westminster, in which place he had a large estate. He had with him, when he came up to her, two gentlemen of his acquaintance, but who were entire strangers to Miss Betsy. "'What?' said he. "'The celebrated Miss Betsy Thoughtless? Miss Betsy Thoughtless, the idol of mankind? Alone? Unattended by any of her train of admirers, and contemplating these mementos of mortality?' 
to compliment my understanding replied she gaily you should rather have told me i was contemplating the mementos of great actions you are at the wrong end of the cathedral for that madam resumed he and i don't remember to have heard anything extraordinary of the life of this great man whose effigy makes so fine a figure here except the favours he received from the ladies twere too much then to bestow them on him both alive and dead cried she therefore we will pass on to some other mr bluemaker had a great deal of wit and vivacity nor were his two companions deficient in either of these qualities so that between the three miss betsy was very agreeably entertained they went round from tomb to tomb and the real characters as well as epitaphs some of which are flattering enough afforded a variety of observations in fine the conversation was so pleasing to miss betsy that she never thought of going home till it grew too dark to examine either the sculpture or the inscriptions so insensibly does time glide on when accompanied with satisfaction but now ensued a mortification which struck a damp on the sprightliness of this young lady she had sent away the chair which brought her not doubting but there would be others about the church doors she knew not how difficult it was to procure such a vehicle in westminster especially on a sunday to add to her vexation it rained very much and she was not in a habit fit to travel on foot in any weather much less in such as this they went down into the cloisters in order to find some person whom they might send either for a coach or chair for the gentlemen would have been glad of such conveniences for themselves as well as miss betsy they walked round and round several times without hearing or seeing anybody but at last a fellow who used to be employed in sweeping the church doors offered his service to procure them what they wanted in case there was a possibility of doing it they promised to gratify him well for his pains and he ran with all the speed he could to do as he had said the rain and wind increased to such a prodigious height that scarce was ever a more tempestuous evening. Almost a whole hour was elapsed, and the man not come back, so that they had reason to fear neither coach nor chair was to be got. Miss Betsy began to grow extremely impatient. The gentlemen endeavoured all they could to keep her in good humour. "'We have a good stone roof over our heads, madam,' said one of them, and that at present shelters us from the inclemency of the elements. Besides, cried another, the storm cannot last always, and when it is a little abated, here are three of us. We will take you in our arms by turns and carry you home. All this would not make Miss Betsy laugh, and she was in the utmost agitation of mind to think what she should do when, on a sudden, a door in that part of the cloister which leads to Little Dean's yard was opened and a very young lady not exceeding eleven years of age but very richly habited came running out and taking miss betsy by the sleeve madam said she i beg to speak with you miss betsy was surprised but stepping some paces from the gentleman to hear what she had to say the other drawing her toward the door cried please madam to come in here on which she followed and the gentleman stood about some four or five yards distant Miss Betsy had no sooner reached the threshold, which had a step down into the hall, 
and pulling her gently down as if to communicate what she had to say with the more privacy then a footman who stood behind the door immediately clapped it to and put the chain across as if he had apprehended some violence might be offered to it miss betsy was in so much consternation that she was unable to speak one word till the young lady who still had hold of her hand said to her you may thank heaven madam that our family happened to be in town else i do not know what mischief might have befallen you bless me cried miss betsy and was going on but the other interrupted her saying hastily as she led her forward walk this way my brother will tell you all miss betsy then stopped short what means all this said she where am i pray miss who is your brother to which the other replied that her brother was the lord viscount and that he at present was the owner of that house the surprise miss betsy had been put in by this young lady's first accosting her was not at all dissipated by these words but had now an equal portion of curiosity added to it she longed to know the meaning of words which at present seemed so mysterious to her and with what kind of mischief she had been threatened that she readily accompanied her young conductress into a magnificent parlour at the upper end of which sat the nobleman she had been told of i am extremely happy said he as soon as he saw her enter that providence has put it in my power to rescue so fine a lady from the villainy contrived against her miss betsy replied that she should always be thankful for any favour conferred upon her but desired to know of what nature they were for which she was indebted to his lordship then he told her that the person she had been with had the most baleful designs upon her that he had heard from a closet window where he was sitting two of them lay the plot for carrying her off in a hackney-coach and added that being struck with horror at the foul intention he had contrived by the means of his sister to get her out of their power for said he i know one of them to be so bloody a villain that had i gone out myself i must have fallen a sacrifice to their resentment miss betsy was quite confounded she knew not how to question the veracity of a nobleman who could have no view or interest to deceive her yet it was equally incongruous to her that mr bluemaker could harbour any designs upon her of that sort his lordship mentioned she had several times been in company with that gentleman and he had never behaved toward her in a manner which could give her room to suspect he had any dishonourable intentions toward her but then the treatment she had received from the gentleman commoner at oxford reminded her that men of an amorous complexion want only an opportunity to show those inclinations which indolence or perhaps indelicacy prevents them from attempting to gratify by acidities and courtship after having taken some little time to consider what she should say she replied that she was infinitely obliged to his lordship for the care he took of her but might be very well amazed to hear those gentlemen had any ill designs upon her two of whom were perfect strangers to her and the other often visited at the house where she was boarded as for the sending for a coach she said it was by her own desire if no chair could be procured and added that if his lordship had no other reason to apprehend any will was meant to her she could not without injustice forbear to clear up the mistake the lord of that manner was a little confounded at these words but soon recovering himself 
told her that she knew not the real character of the person she had been with, that Bloomaker was one of the greatest libertines in the world, and that though she might agree to have a coach sent for, she could not be sure to what place it might carry her, and that he heard two of them, while the third was entertaining her, speak to each other in a manner which convinced him the most villainous contrivance was about to be practised on her. A loud knocking at the door now interrupted their discourse. Both his lordship and his sister seemed terribly alarmed. All the servants were called, and charge given not to open the door upon any account, to bar up the lower windows, and to give answers from those above to whoever was there. The knocking continued with greater violence than it began, and Miss Betsy heard the gentlemen's voices talking to the servants, and though she could not distinguish what they said, found there were very high words between them. My lord's sister ran into the hall to listen, then came back crying, "'Oh, what terrible oaths! I am afraid they will break open the door!' "'No,' replied the lord, "'it is too strong for that but I wish we had been so wise as to send for a constable. One of the servants came down and repeated what their young lady had said, adding that the gentlemen swore they would not leave the place till they had spoke with the lady, who they said had been trepanned into that house. On this, suppose, my lord, said Miss Betsy, I go to the door and tell them that I will not go with them. "'No, madam,' answered the lord, "'I cannot consent my door should be open to such ruffians, "'for besides that they would certainly seize and carry you off by force. "'I know not what mischief they might do my poor men "'for having at first refused them entrance.' "'She then said she would go up to the window and answer them from there. "'But he would not suffer her to be seen by them at all, "'and to keep her from insisting on it, "'told her a great many stories of rapes and other mischiefs, that had been perpetrated by Bluemaker and those he kept company with. All this did not give Miss Betsy those terrors, which it is very plain his lordship and sister endeavoured to inspire her with, yet would she say no more of appearing to the gentleman, as she found he was so averse to it. At length the knocking ceased, and one of the footmen came down and said that those who had given his lordship this disturbance had withdrawn from the door, and he believed were gone quite out of the cloisters. But this intelligence did not satisfy the lord. He either was or pretended to be, in fear that they were still skulking in some corner, and would run in if once they saw the door opened. There was still the same difficulty as ever how Miss Betsy should get home. That is, how she should get safely out of the house. For the rain being over, the servants said they did not doubt but they should be able to procure a chair or coach. After much debating on this matter, it was thus contrived. The Lord had a window that looked into the yard of one of the prebendaries. A footman was to go out of the window to the back door of that reverend divine, relate the whole story, and beg leave to go through his house. This request being granted, the footman went, and returned in less than half an hour with the welcome news that a chair was ready and waited on College Street. Miss Betsy had no way of passing, but by the same the footman had done, which she easily did, by being lifted by my lord into the window, and ascending from it by the help of some steps placed on the other side by the servants of the prebendary. 
it would be superfluous to trouble the reader with any speeches made by the lord and his sister to miss betsy or the replies she made to them i shall only say that passing through his house and the college garden at the door of which the chair attended she went into it preceded by the lord's footman muffled up in a cloak and without a flambeau to prevent being known in case she should be met by bloomaker or either of his companions and with this equipage she arrived safe at home though not without a mind strangely perplexed at the meaning of this adventure end of chapter twenty reading by joyce martin